Okay, it looks like we are streaming live. <clears throat> Christine, are we good? You can go right into it. It takes yes. a while for us to catch up. Yes, so welcome, Jesper Zerlang, to Happy and Succeeding in the Future of Work. And this is going to be a really great show today. I'm, I'm really excited to speak with Jesper. Um, we spoke previously for a Forbes article I wrote, and he gave some great leadership advice. He runs a cybersecurity company. And then I thought this is very appropriate with what's going on in Eastern Europe, the war, the invasion by Russia into the Ukraine. And curious how, like, what kind of cyber warfare is going on as well. So uh, this is very timely. And Jesper, maybe you could talk a little bit about what you do in your company, and then maybe about like what's going on with cybersecurity and maybe cybersecurity warfare and what we should know about. Oh, definitely. And thank you for, uh, for having me here, Jack. It's, uh, it's always a pleasure. So um, yes, uh, Lockpoint is a cybersecurity company that um, basically uh, provides software solutions to companies that want to protect themselves from being attacked. That's the simple version. And, and the more technical version is that we actually uh, ingest a lot of data from all the technical points that a company has. So basically, we, we gather all the DNA, the digital DNA of a company, and we can analyze this and proactively alert a company if abnormal behavior is happening and, and then potentially that uh, an attack or malicious behavior is, is happening in your network. And like you said, more than ever, uh, this is uh, really uh, something that's super important. And um, in the cyber domain, we have been challenged over the last four or five years to really get the cyber topic on the agenda. And um, I've been, you know, talking to this a lot and, and uh, it seems like, you know, you cannot see cyber. It's not tangible. It's not like a fire in a building. Everybody knows it's hot and you need to do something and protect yourself, but cyber attacks cannot be seen because it just happens in your networks. And so what is happening, uh, you always need these events. We've seen a lot of attacks. Um, there's been, you know, uh, attacks in the US on, on oil pipelines and, and, and other very dramatic attacks lately. And of course, now with the Russia uh, invading uh, Ukraine, it is evident and very apparent to us that um, there, is an, there has been building up over the last probably three, four weeks before they invaded Ukraine. Our customers reported and we could see in our system a, a increase in attacks from Russian uh, attackers all over the Western world, both in the US and, and also in, um, in, um, in Europe. And so what, what's happening is that they are just trying to disrupt uh, the Western world and to kind of uh, put the focus somewhere else. And then um, finally, when they invaded, they invaded physically, but the cyber attacks is actually much more severe, attacking hospitals, the you know, defense mechanisms, uh, utility, energy. A lot of these things are happening uh, as we speak and it's really on the rise. And, and Russia has a very advanced uh, cyber uh, uh, war capability that is known to 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 the world, uh, but but like you know, uh, just like the movie Don't Look Up, uh, it's like everybody is is basically saying it's, it's not going to hit us, it's not going to hit us. But with this Ukrainian invasion, it's very evident that it's it's very very aggressive in Europe, and but also in the U.S. So how does it work? So when you said like hospitals, I mean that just seems so so ruthless. What will they just cut things off? So then it just makes it hard to do the work to take care of people in the hospital? Yeah, it's everything from just uh, simply uh, uh, disrupting a system so that you cannot operate. You, you don't have access to, to patient journals. You cannot activate uh, the machines that are supporting life. 
and and it can be a, a series wait, wait. Of, of so so wait i'm sorry so so in other words they could even disrupt if you're on a ventilator or something like that they could kind of through through cyber warfare just just knock you offline and yes that's ruthless that's horrible yeah. so so one way of doing this is they would they would attack your network and maybe they've been kind of you know you know it is like warfare so they may been do a reconnaissance over the last one or two years uh, and get ready for these attacks and then they would create, uh, let's say they will attack a hospital and they will create a user with administrative rights. So all the systems in the hospitals see this user as a normal user. It has all the right credentials. It's the, they have you know, made a fake, fake digital picture of themselves. So all the control systems regard them as a friendly user of the systems, but they're not. So they will get access to very central parts of where you shut off systems and, and, and that's, that's how they do it. It's, it's, it's difficult to get in, but once you're in, it's super easy to actually compromise these systems. So what, what do companies and individuals do about it to protect themselves? So this is a, of course where uh, companies like Lockpoint come into play yeah. is that, that what we do is that every time you use a computer, you actually have a fingerprint, a digital fingerprint, also called a log. And we can ingest all these logs into a central a database that can do analytics. And so maybe the human eye cannot see uh, that a certain user is being created, uh, that it looks very normal, but a computer knows that digitally it was, been, it was created in Russia. It might contain some patterns in how it's constructed that the human eye cannot see it, but digitally it actually very, very evident that it's, it is uh, different and, and something that needs to be investigated. So companies, first of all, they have to fence themselves. That's kind of, you know, everybody knows you have to have a firewall. You need to take care of all these, all these known uh, uh, defense mechanisms. But the more advanced is, is really going in and, and doing analytics to see what is going on. And then you can counter, uh, do countermeasures. You can, maybe if you, if you realize something is going on in, in one city, you can shut that city down or if it's the department of a hospital, you can shut it down before the virus kind of spreads. Almost like an analogy to the coronavirus, right? Mm -hmm. Instead of shutting down a whole country, you can just sh shut down uh, you know, Pennsylvania, Florida, because that's where there is a rise in, in, in contamination. And, and that's what we can do. So you can be much more, um, have much more focused way of finding out where you are compromised, shut it down, and then keep your operation up and running by having technologies like LogPoint. What's interesting is you don't hear too many reports talking about it. No. You know, here in the US, you'll actually hear it almost becomes a joke. Like if something goes wrong, oh yeah, Russia hacked this and taking it, you know, not taking it serious, but it sounds like this is very serious and, and very dire and just kind of another form of war. Well, I think it's like, it is a, is, is a very tangible form of war. Yeah. And just going back to the US elections and, and, and how it is known and documented that the Russia really affected uh, the, you know, some of the, the social media and, 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 and creating a lot of noise online. And it, it's becoming very difficult with technology to see what is, what is, uh, what is legit and what is fake. And, and, and so that's also kind of in the, in the realm of cybersecurity, these fake news, because it's using technology to kind of uh, obscure who is behind a given message. Um, and then when you look tangibly on, on a cyber attack, I, I really think that it's, it's because, like I said in the er earlier, that, that you cannot see cyber. <laughs> you yeah. cannot see digital, but you can feel it if, you are, if you're really a company like, 
um, also energy companies that are part of a critical infrastructure. Uh, you can shut down a windmill. You can, let's say you, you go into a, a water supply system and it's all digitized. You need to have it online to do maintenance. And maybe you want to, you know, have a, a pipeline that can take uh, a million uh, gallons of, of water uh, uh, every minute. But if you turn that up to 100 million, the actual pipes will explode and you'll have a situation. So there's so many things today that as we all crave for digitalizing everything, if we forget the underlying flip side of the coin, that uh, you can also use it to, to, it can be used to your disadvantage. This is where it becomes really complex and you have to think in uh, your, your weaknesses, which is cyber uh, from, from the beginning. And this is what's happening in the world as we digitalize ourselves so much. Uh, finally, people are waking up uh, and, and really prioritizing that you need to have a, a cyber strategy. Um, because if you do not have a cyber strategy, you can ruin your company in two weeks. Speaking of a cyber, you know, um, you know, do you do you have in the EU? Is there kind of a collective movement by the different governments to say, hey, maybe we should get together and figure out a cohesive strategy and how to plan for it? Because it does sound very serious. And then also separately, is there a way to kind of upskill people or train people to get into the field? Because I imagine you don't have with all these attacks, you probably don't have enough people to to who are skilled to defend against it. So is there any have you seen things where they're trying to let's let's on mass get people skilled and knowledgeable in cybersecurity so that they could defend this? Yeah, I, there's a lot of uh, initiatives, yeah. but it's it's there's it's 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 very difficult because there is a lot of things that needs to be that needs to happen because today as we speak, probably about two million to three million cyber jobs are open. Two so million to three million. Yes. And wait, that, that's just in, in where? In Europe or is that? That's in the world. That's worldwide. It's recognized that between two and three million uh, jobs is the actual skill shortage that we have as wow. we speak. So anyone going into cyber, that's a, that's a, a, a total uh, e easy way to protect your job career. As a, um, as a, as a non-techie guy, but I've, I've been speaking to, you know, in my work before, speaking to just so many CTOs and, and, and technology executives, uh, how... How can you get there? Like, if you're not, let's say you, you're a liberal arts graduate, or you know, you did take any computer courses, is it is it very hard to pivot into that space? Can you reinvent yourself? I think very much so. I think okay. cybersecurity is like, like you are, you know, you are the one-eyed king in the land of the blind. Is that people think it's very complex, but once right. you really look into it, it's not so complex. It's of course, there's, you, you can have two ways of doing. It. You can you can have the, the business approach of how do you work with cyber in a business context, and then you, of course you can have cyber from a technical concept. So if you want to, and you want to be an engineer, or it, it is it is a lot of various engineering direction that can turn into to cybersecurity because at the end of the day, it's all about algorithms and and machine learning and and, and all these mathematical things. So if you're into uh, you know the the, the the mathematical and analytics parts of your of your career, you can anyone can pivot into to a, a cybersecurity track. Um, what I really like to see what's happening is one thing that that Denmark has just done is that they actually start now to draft uh, people into the military. That instead of going to become a, a marine, you can become a cyber warrior from day one. Wow, that's interesting. 
So that's, that's actually super neat. And, and that line is very, it's oversubscribed. Everybody wants to go in <laughs> because um, it's just really cool because military, again, like everything else, they are first with technology. And on the cyber scene, if you've been in the military for nine months or 12 months, you are absolutely secure at work when you come out on the other side. Jasper, this is, you, you can appreciate this anecdotally. So I've been speaking to a lot of folks who are, who started cool, innovative tech companies. And um, a lot of them are from Israel. And because, right. and when I would talk to them, they would say exactly what you mentioned. You would go into the army from three to five years, but oftentimes they're not necessarily engaged in the warfare, but they're doing, you know, doing all the tech and everything oh. to, to create things. And then from there, they're able to build these cool businesses because you, you, you're creating this, you know, sure. uh, group of yeah. people who are like really smart in this space. So that's, it sounds yeah. like that's what you want to do in Denmark too, yeah. to have this kind of, you know, way to start training sure. people in a cool way that they say, Hey, I want to get part of this. This is pretty, yeah. I'm helping the country, but then, you know, I'm going to help myself in my career. And then maybe I could even do a startup definitely. in the tech space. Definitely. And I think we stole it from Israel, this idea. So, <laughs> so I, yeah, definitely. <laughs> Because it's, it's amazing. I, got, I can't tell you how many people I've spoken to recently that have just, you, you name any iteration of a kind of tech you know, startup they've mm. been doing. And it's the same story. It's yeah. like the same, exactly what you're saying. Yeah. So that would be cool if Denmark does it because this way you could have that same results and have yeah. this like hotbed of tech. Like how is the tech scene there? Is it big, not big? In terms yeah, it's of, quite. It's it's very advanced. I mean, yeah. I mean, Denmark is are historically very known for for I always use this uh, this comparison is very very known for physical architecture, so designing mm -hmm. really nice houses, the Opera House in Sydney, and 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 a lot of other cool things from an architectural point, traditionally architecture, but we're just as good on in software architecture. Mm -hmm. So there is a, there is a, a a culture for for being interested in. In technology from from many years back, and 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 Denmark is, is is like most Nordic countries, quite advanced from a from a technical perspective. So yes, there's a huge there's a huge uh, interest in technology, but but being a relatively small region, uh, from a university perspective, that's where we struggle uh, in terms of finding the right talent and, mm -hmm. and attracting. And everybody wants talent that have, yeah. you know, capability of uh, doing machine learning and AI and so on. And 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 here we have it. A, a slight advantage because it's actually more cool to to work and apply your your AI skills to cybersecurity instead of applying mm -hmm. it to to optimizing how you buy clothes, for instance. So so in that way, it's more cool to work in in cybersecurity because you not only have a good job but you actually also uh, bring value to a societal problem, which a lot of young people uh, and and people overall get super excited about. Okay. If you don't mind my asking, how is the mood there? In, because we're here in the U.S., we feel, you know, it, it just, it doesn't seem real because we're, they're, they're, you know, you have a big ocean, we're so far away, but how is it there? Does it, does it weigh on you and the people there, like worried what's going to happen? I know they're kind of pressuring, hey, if Denmark or Finland go to NATO, that's it, the gloves are off. How is it? How are you doing? Well, I think that the paradox in this is actually that Putin's, uh, he thought he'd come into Ukraine and do a quick sw uh, swift and then take over the country. But Ukraine, by definition, is part of Europe. And um, as an example, uh, you can take Germany, which is neighboring countries to, to Denmark. We all know, of course, that they have a, a, a sad history from the Second World War. And, and uh, so far since the Second World War, just as an example, Germany has been very reluctant to be 
active in military activities in Europe for, for good reasons. But it's kind of like, and of course, Germany is a very strong economy, very advanced military, but they've always been kind of neutral and not having an opinion. But the, it is like with this, this is it. I mean, Putin has been, you know, over years been, you know, playing the nice guy and everybody says, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. And then all of a sudden, Europe is actually attacked. People say Eastern European. Yeah, yeah, sure. But now it is Europe. And, and, and what's next? I mean, Denmark and Sweden and Finland, for that matter, is bordering right up to Russia. What could be the next move? So I think, of course, we are also, from a distance perspective, it's, it's a three-hour flight from here. But still, it is close enough yeah. that you can, the way they live, uh, the way they dress, the clothes is just like ourselves. So it's, it feels like it's a neighbor, a real neighbor has been attacked. So, so it's very much in our, in our presence. And, and, um, and I think that Europe have come together in a matter of two weeks. We probably politically and, and as, a, as, a, as a collective region, we have achieved more in two weeks than we've done in 10 years from a political perspective. So instead of discussing uh, who should have, uh, you know, the more rights to do uh, small things in the day to day, all of a sudden we have to feel this is this is real danger, and it's you know the Maslow pyramid. Now we mm -hmm. are down into the lower part of, of of our fundamental requirement as human beings, and we are being threatened on our life and our bread and our families, and that's when you change your character and says enough is enough, and we are not going to have the the the. the you know, the growth in our society and, 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 and the humankind in, in the Western world, especially in Europe, uh, some individual uh, who has, a, a, you know, his, his brain uh, a wrong place is not going to ruin all of this. And, and, and uh, it's amazing to see and, and also must respect the Ukrainian people for how they stand up with very little capability. And, and they actually win by their attitude more than their actual, you know, physical and material skills. So, so yes, very shortly, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's of course on everybody's lips, it's very close and, and what can be next. I mean, we even have a, a small island in Denmark that's very close to Russia. And, and um, you know, there's been two days ago, there was uh, three uh, Russian jets uh, overflying these islands and, 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 and Sweden. And, and uh, of course, uh, our jets was up there taking photographs. And right now, they're actually rumoring that these uh, Soviet uh, fighters had uh, nuclear weapons on board. So, of course, it becomes, you know, this is, this is actually serious. And we need to do something. And we need to be hardlining on this. So it feels that Ukraine might not be the end. It will be. It will not be. I think Ukraine will win. Uh, it will end up with a compromise of maybe a regional split and they will give Russia uh, uh, parts of the country. Um, and remember, it's a huge country. It's, it's twice the size of Germany. So, so it's, it's kind of uh, huge, but I think that, that Putin has miscalculated everything. Yeah. They have miscalculated how the West have, have come together and, and said, this is, this is it. We're, we're gonna you know, really put a lot of, of, of constraints on you as a country and, and, and this, we will not accept this because we cannot let it grow to other regions, of course not. It's, it's amazing how the different countries galvanize together in the face of this. And I, I agree yes. with you where it looks like Putin thought, hey, we're gonna come in there two days, we're good. We're gonna 
you know, take over and yeah. didn't realize that how everybody would unite, it united everybody against him. Yeah. So, and then on the other hand, you know, it's again, playing back to our, how we work as a company, we have, uh, we have two Ukrainians that are, you know, employed in Lockpoint and, and, you know, uh, one being in charge of our support and, and another one very, uh, very important for our product development. And of course, we, we kind of, uh, you know, help them out as much as possible. Uh, we've even helped some of their families uh, get out of Ukraine and, and in any way try to support them and their families because it is so in that way, we have colleagues that are, you know, yeah. that have it very close. From what I understand that there's a very robust tech scene in, in Ukraine and Eastern Europe, because here in the States, it's so expensive to hire these software engineers in Silicon Valley that they're going out of their way to hire remotely. And Ukraine was one of the places doing it. So I imagine on a positive note for some of the people who are leaving, they yeah. might be able to get good jobs. Oh, yeah. You know, working oh, for certainly. you or working for wherever, sure. you know, uh, because they have the skills. Sure. I mean, they graduate <clears throat> 75,000 software engineers every single year. Wow. So it's a very advanced nation. And, and even within cybersecurity, it's, it's well known that Ukraine has a, 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 is probably among the top five countries in the world in terms of being advanced. So, and, and you know, they've been attacked uh, cyber-wise from Russia for many years. So they are, they are very fit and, and very skilled. <laughs> they're battle-hardened. They, they're, 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 oh, yes, they're good. <clears throat> they are very good. Yeah. So on a lighter note, because this is yes. heavy stuff. This is important. This is this heavy is, stuff. This is, but I'm really glad because you know, here, you're not, it's, I don't know how it is in Denmark, right? But here in the U.S., you, after a while, you don't know what the truth is. Like you don't know, are, is the media spinning it one way or, or you know, yeah. with it doesn't matter, right, left, Democrat, Republican. Yeah. It's just, you're left feeling what's the real deal. So it's really nice to hear somebody who's really close to what's going on to show, hey, here's what's happening. This is what's going yeah. on and very unfiltered, you know, very pragmatic, hey, this is the state of affairs. So it's, it's, it's really enlightening, enlightening to hear it. Um, but, I'll, but, on, but on a lighter note, I know last year when we spoke, or the beginning of this year, because time yeah. is weird time with the pandemic, <laughs> is you, Denmark was the happiest country, right? Isn't it funny? Yes. Just a few months ago, we're talking about Denmark being the happiest country. Now we're talking about, so, you know, we literally are you're talking about a plane coming over, maybe having nuclear bombs. Right? It was, I was looking, okay, I was looking before, it was January where I think we spoke. So from January to April, we went from the happiest nation to, uh, you know, planes from Russia, maybe having nuclear bombs sure. flying over your country. Yeah. It's, it's, I, can't even, I can't even process that. And, no. But what's even worse, what's even worse, Finland. Finland is now the number one happiest country. How did that happen, Jasper? Yeah. How'd you let that go on? <laughs> they cheated. <laughs> what did those Finns do? I have no idea the difference. I, I admit it. Uh, I'm the ugly American here. I have no idea the difference between all the different countries there. So like what's, maybe, maybe if you don't mind, indulge me, because I, I, I'm honest to admit it, but I bet you there are a lot of people who watch you who don't know either. Like, how does this, are you all friends together? Is it like some, you know, competitions like brothers and sisters competition amongst, like no, what goes no, I mean, on? No, no, it goes back to, you just have to go back and, and, yeah. and to your own ancestors because yeah. this goes back to the Viking period, right? right. So, so, so this is like, if you look at the Nordics and, and many, and, and, and for good reasons, I, I think Nordics are, there are nuances in culture, but we are from the same, you know, fundamental um, value systems and, and so on. So whether you both speak about Norway, Sweden, Finland, and Denmark, um, you know, if I was American, I could also see it as one country. But of course, there's also yeah. difference between being from Texas and Massachusetts, yeah. right? 
but you're the same country. But the overall uh, value system is pretty close. And I think that uh, whether it's Finland or, or whatever else, I think actually it's, 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 this is quite interesting is because the, the equal equality inversion of, 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 of you know, the, the, the female rights and, and men's rights in the Nordics are, are very high level. I mean, there is the equal rights. Uh, of course, there are still nuances. We can still improve in many areas, but I think it's generally known that, that because in, in Finland, for instance, you have a, you know, we have a, from politicians, there's more than 50% of the politicians in Finland are female. And, and it just seems like the more female you have, the more intelligent the society is, and that's just facts. And, and um, I think my mother will be proud now, and I don't believe this, so maybe that's why, but, but there's some truth to it, right? I, I actually, I was, I was listening to Bill Clinton once, and he was asked, um, so what's your view on, 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 on the longer term problem for us as, as a planet, what can go wrong? And he didn't say a nuclear war. He didn't say uh, it was uh, economical uh, inequalities. He said it was the lack of educating women that was the biggest problem. Because if you go through all the societies we have on a global basis, there is a tendency, the more educated women are, the mm. more strong a society is because then they get their own careers and, and, and uh, they only get a few, uh, they don't get that many children. Uh, and, and, and they are actually in many ways much more advanced than us men. And, Sorry and, to and, say, but that's how it and, is. And, and all the ladies who are on the PR and Christine are all shaking their head. Yep, yep. <laughs> that's about right. Yeah. I can't really they can disagree. pay me later, but it's true. You know, I, you know, I, I, I agree. I, you know, I, us guys, like, I, we're kind of knuckleheads at times. Let's be honest. Like, <laughs> we're two-dimensional. <laughs> right. I mean, we're, we're, we're the ones who are going to, yeah, hey, let's throw a new, you know, let's drop a nuclear bomb. Let's do this. We're, yeah, yeah. So, no, but you look, it, let's take the weapon situation, right? Yeah. And you take the war situation. You have, yeah. you have uh, the NATO uh, old guys, gray hair, that are uh, disputing something. And then it's, it's young guys between 18 and, and 24 who have to pay with their life. Yes. It, it doesn't make sense. And if it was all mothers in charge, of course they wouldn't send somebody out to kill somebody's, uh, you know, each other's sons, because I mean, at the end of the day, uh, they could be friends tomorrow, right? And now they, they are part of something, they don't have any stake in why they're doing it. And, and, and uh, it's just an order for somebody who, who they have no relationship. So, so it's, 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 it's a very, uh, I think these type of, of, of situation with these uh, dictators and things like this, hopefully there's only a, a few ones of them left and it's, it's still severe. Yeah. But I hope that we are now, uh, you know, progressing as a society, uh, and and that hopefully can can improve things uh, around the world. And it's, do you think that contributes? Because I said, it, you know, kidding around about Finland taking over, but it does seem that the Nordic countries do rank high whenever they have these studies and surveys about sure. the happiest yeah. countries. Why? What? Why is that? Because. We're not ranked on there, but but it's always yeah. It seems to battle between Finland and De Denmark and some mm -hmm. others. What's what's the secret sauce? Well, I think it might be a Heinz fifty-seven. There's a lot of components, <laughs> yeah. um, but I think it's it's a lot comes down to trust, mm -hmm. and 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 it's 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 the it's again it's back to the value system that you actually trust each other and you trust the systems right. And one of the reasons there you know you know corruption is very low. Um, and actually the, the middle class is extremely strong. Everybody has right to education. It doesn't matter, it's not, it's not the size of your wallet that determines whether you can go in the best school. Anyone can go on a school. 
and and we even pay people to go to school. Mm -hmm. I mean, you get you get uh, five hundred dollars every single month to all students for going to school, um, and that's something. Of course, we have a high taxation, so of course sometimes you 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 are a little bit uh, you know on an individual level you get a little pissed off that you have to pay so much in tax. But if you look at it from a more holistic perspective, it it creates a more equal society, and it just means that that uh, people are. Uh, have more respect for each other, and and it's not it's not who you are and and what your parents were and how mm. rich you are that determines your 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 daily life and and what you can achieve, and and I just think it's 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 about trust, it's about respect, and it's about doing the right thing when nobody's kind of watching, um, and and I think that's kind of you know some of the reasons why we have such a strong uh, happiness uh, yeah. rating in the Nordics. It makes sense because here there's, so, especially coming out of the pandemic, there's such a wealth inequality and it's hmm. so jarring and it really destabilizes the way we act because there's a lot of resentment across hmm. the board. And you talked about trust. There's a lot of mistrust lately coming from out of the, you know, going through COVID, coming out of COVID. Hmm. So whereas it sounds like, you know, the Nordic countries are figured it out. We're just kind of wrestling with all of these things. Yeah. I'm confident that for us, we'll come out of it because yeah. it's, it's you, know, the, you know, these things go in cycles and just we're in a weird cycle here, but it's, it's interesting that, that you have your act together over there. And talking about, you're talking from a country perspective, but also it's, these are some of the themes that you do with your own business, right? Yes, definitely. I mean, it's 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 everything you have to do. You have to mirror what goes on in, in, in or what goes on in, in, in kind of the the overall country is also how you work, uh, mm -hmm. and 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 the respect for the individual and and creating a workplace that's very much influenced by the employees. That's super important, um, and and that's how we work, um, and and in, in many ways. And that's also you know what like we spoke last time on on the hybrid workplace is that creating an environment where we where we are. You know, capable of really attracting uh, employees, and and they they feel that they can really influence how how they work and when they work and 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 what they work with, and and giving a lot of it's not management who have to tell mm -hmm. people to go from A to B uh, in X time. It's more we have this situation we want to go here, go solve it. What do you think? How do we do it? What are, what are the best things? And that's kind of thriving uh, how you how you can also develop as as a company so that your company becomes much more uh, equal in terms of, of who is doing what. And it's not just management that are, that are right, uh, rarely so, actually. <laughs> so, 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 so you empower the workers. Like Once you hire people, you hire them because you trust that they could do the job, and then you let them do the job without micromanaging and let them go. And then so do you also have, like we're, we're kind of coalescing uh, with the hybrid system, hybrid model. Is that hmm. what's happening in Denmark and the Nordic countries, or is it back to work five days a week, or is flexible? No, no, remote? no. It's for for a long time. It's not been five days a week, right? And 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 you know, first of all, we also have uh, on average five to six weeks of vacation every year, just as a as a caveat, um, because it's really important that you also regenerate and 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 don't work all the time. But I think the what what I've seen, what actually surprised me a little bit, is there's a huge urge to come back and be together mm -hmm. socially. So, so, um, 
So there's been a couple of, of cycles of, with, here with COVID. Uh, during COVID, our biggest concern was actually that people were starting to work too much mm -hmm. because they were at home, they couldn't do anything else. So they're just sitting in front of the computer and just working too much. And we simply had to implement a couple of systems where people should not work. And, 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 and it was 24 um, seven. So, so, so productivity went up, but I wouldn't say the happiness went up just being working from home. So what we're doing in the office is that we have, you know, you can't see, I'm actually here now, there's table tennis and there's <laughs> ping pong and there's a lot of things uh, around that, that, that makes people want to come to us. Um, uh, from a developer's perspective, for instance, we are working with, you know, uh, OKRs where we set out, what are we going to do this week? The teams do it themselves. And then they all meet up on Fridays and then they actually show to us what have they done and they celebrate. And, and maybe they work from home during the week, a couple of days, but everybody wants to get in on Fridays to see what did the other teams do? <laughs> How did it look? And so on. So it becomes, and then of course I cannot, I, I, you know, maybe it's also the cold beer that's available on Fridays, but, <laughs> but it all adds up, right? But it's, 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 it's a matter of, and it's not me who has said, this is what we want to do. So we said to, to everybody, what's, what's the cadence you would like to have in the company? And then people found out themselves and some teams work in one way and other teams in a different way. So in many ways, there, there, there's not, not a single source to the company. It's actually the, the development wants to do it one way, marketing, uh, they might have a different approach. And, and, and then even just a company like Lockpoint, we have 330 employees, mm -hmm. but we're actually located in almost 15 countries. So what works in Denmark doesn't work in Germany necessarily. So we'll just give the Germans whatever they would like to do. Um, they find a good solution. And it's, that's really great because it sounds like you go, you make sure that you're empowering the people to work the way they want to work, how they want to work. And, and instead of telling them, because like here, some companies are or basically ordering, hey, you got to get back to the office. Sure. You're making, you're giving reasons why they should come back. Where, where people want to come back, not being forced and having their arm twisted to come back, but coming back, whether it's the cold beer, whether it's the camaraderie, whether it's the ping pong tables or a combination of everything, or just the way, you know, that the companies run, that they feel, hey, you know what, I want to get the heck out of my house after two years and go and see my colleagues, my coworkers and, and, and contribute and be part of it. Um, so that's fantastic. Um, for people who want to get in touch with you, you know, in terms of finding out more, uh, and I don't want to impose upon you, but if they want to know more about your company or if you'd be open, if people are interested, hey, how do I get into cybersecurity? How do I get a job? How can they reach you? How can, what's the best? Is it uh, your website? Or well, like, like everybody else, uh, it's, it's, it's the easiest way is to go to lockpoint.com and, and, okay. and, and under uh, you know, uh, employees and, and, and open positions. And I think we constantly have probably about you know, 20 to 40 open positions uh, in, in many different areas. And also our LinkedIn company profile uh, where you just search Lockpoint on LinkedIn. Uh, there's a whole career page with a lot of videos of you know, the atmosphere, uh, some testimonials for some of our employees and, and, and a lot of, you know, you get a good sense of what is it working, not mm -hmm. only in Lockpoint, but also to your point, how is it being in cybersecurity? What kind of projects can you work on? And, and, and that would be the best way. So online at, at lockpoint.com or, or LinkedIn and then search for Lockpoint. That's great. Or they can always search for my name, Jesper, and just send me a personal message. Well, I'll definitely you. respond. Well, well, that's kind of you. Anything that I didn't ask you that you feel it would be, you know, you'd like to share with the audience? Well, I think that curiosity is, 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 is super important, of course. And I think that, um, that this, 
important part that you you touched upon is is cybersecurity for real. Uh, it, it, it's just super important to to especially if in, and I, and sorry to say especially if in management position, mm -hmm. it's really important that you recognize this because there is really a. a a threat to all of us out there, uh, but but it's not like it's the. It, it, I don't want to be like a like a, like a gloomy thing, because it's not that bad. And 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 luckily, because we have products like Lockpoint, uh, we we actually do have a few weapons that we can counteract whoever is trying to attack uh, companies and 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 societies. Well, I, I really appreciate you taking the time. This is great because for a number of uh, reasons, it's it's the things you're talking about is so timely, and it's it's. Unfortunate what's happening in, in, in Europe and in Eastern Europe, but I appreciate you could kind of share with us what's going on from your perspective because you're much closer to it and it opens the eyes to what's happening. And I think in terms of the cybersecurity part, I, I I'm kind of I I kind of intellectually knew it was bad, but when mm. you walked it through, I didn't realize how serious that is. And I hope for people who are watching this go to their bosses and, and their managers say, hey, like, maybe we should do something. Maybe we got to double check and make sure it's okay. And the leadership is who's watching this will be like, uh, you know what? Maybe we got to kind of check everything because that's that's frightening and, yes, and it's so concerning. And then for people who here, and I imagine the same thing is going on where you are, that after the pandemic, so many people have reevaluated their lives and started to think about, yes. do I want to keep doing the same thing or try something mm -hmm. else? So yeah. they're hungry to see what other, and this is why I love doing these podcasts because sure. it, it kind of gives information to people who may have never thought about doing cybersecurity and realize I didn't know that there are 3 million jobs open. Yes. So well, those, that's a lot of jobs. So that's it got to be one job, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, I use that one job Oh yes. <laughs> and, and to go and do it. So, so yes. for people who may have said, hey, I, I hate where I am. I don't know what to do. Huh. Yeah. This is a fast growing area and I can do actually something meaningful that I can be proud of, that I can protect my company and my country by doing yes. this work. So, so yeah. So this was really a great conversation. I, I so appreciate you taking the time out. This is awesome. And, uh, and anyone take, take Jesper up on that offer. <laughs> so, so he's, welcome. and, and, and I, yeah, thank you so much for your time. And then we'll keep in touch and see God willing, everything gets better and we don't have to worry. And next time when we speak, We'll take it to no the next war, level next time. It'll be okay. So hopefully everybody will be happy in the end. Yeah, and, uh, and hopefully you, you get, you know, get back in front of Finland. Darn oh, it. Yeah. yeah, that's we it. Got it. Right? We got it covered. <laughs> okay. Excellent. Thank you so much. It was, it was a pleasure speaking to you again, my friend. Thank you. Uh, take care. Okay. Bye-bye.